are listening to Surviving the Golden Age, the podcast. I am your host, Adam Tersiak Morgan. And on this episode of the podcast, we're going to be discussing Kanye West. Love him or hate him, it is hard to deny he has been a major cultural figure this year. Not only for wearing a Make America Great Again hat and claiming he'll run for president, but also for the five albums he produced. Daytona, Yay, Kids See Ghost, Nazir, and KTSE. To help break down these albums, I have Surviving the Golden Age writer Roberto Cordova. Roberto reviewed all of these albums for the site, but a month or two later, I thought it was worth checking in to see how his opinion has evolved. And needless to say, it has evolved a bit. Hey, Roberto. Hey, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about these Wyoming Session albums. I want to go through kind of like... Let's, we'll, we'll go through your list of what you think is the best to worst, and then we'll kind of, uh, I'll just fill in, you know, where those albums land on my personal list. All right. And we can go from there. Um, so I, we both have the same number one album, I'm pretty sure. So why don't you uh, go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, Pusha T's Daytona. Okay, so Daytona, uh, Pusha T... I've been listening to Pusha T since I was in middle school. And uh, the thing that I always enjoyed about Pusha T is, while he doesn't have, like, say, the way MF Doom has these very intricate, like, interesting rhyme schemes, he has very satisfying rhyme schemes where you know exactly where he's going to go with it, and it works perfectly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the flaw I felt he always had that his instrumentals were either not suited for him or they just they just generally were not very good. Uh, the thing about Daytona is, considering that it was produced by Kanye for Pusha T, it fit his aesthetic in a way that other albums really hadn't, even though, you know, I really enjoyed uh, Dark Before Dawn. Uh, albums like uh, My Name Is My Name, for example, that album I felt was very lacking instrumentally, and even though I really enjoyed uh, his lyricism, the things he was saying on it, uh, the instrumental, like the production just really didn't match what he was going for. And that really held the album back. Whereas Daytona being extremely short and using the, uh, production it did really made it, but I feel his best album he's ever made. Uh, especially for example, the samples used here, there's, um, I think it's on comeback baby where there's a sample about, I, I think somebody preaching about heroin which is, like, perfectly fitting for him. What Now, did you like the clips? Like, do you like the like the production that the clips had for Pusha T? Um, that clips had for Pusha T? I liked it, but I felt that in his solo efforts, it didn't really translate over as well. Maybe because... Um, well, I haven't listened to clips in quite a bit, but I just remember that I, I, I enjoyed it better there because it didn't feel like he was the whole thing I was coming for. But when he, like, obviously became a solo artist, he was, he had his own aesthetic, he had his own thing, which is being the cocaine dealer guy. Uh, and I felt that just the production didn't match it. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that If You Know You Know is kind of maybe obviously the best song of any of the Wyoming Session albums. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great track. I love the samples on it. I think it's... But, like, there are other songs that I find kind of problematic on the album, I guess. And so it's my favorite album, but I still think it has, like, some serious flaws. Like, the hard piano song where he says, like, what he talks about, like... Is it the line about the janitor? Yeah, he he does the janitor line, and then he says, I won't let you ruin my dreams or Harvey Weinstein the kid. Good morning, Matt Lauer. Can I live? And it just seems like the most like incredibly tone-deaf like thing you could possibly rap about at this point. And it's... That's it's, true. That, that's fair. It's really interesting, though, because... I mean, there are other examples on al- on these albums where you get, um, you know, Kanye. I think I think the other um, one is Kanye making a reference to the Me Too movement and it and being like, "Oh, I hope I don't get Me Tooed," and it's like, it just it's so like, well, maybe you shouldn't do things that would get you Me Tooed. Like, not like, I hope I don't have to, you know, suffer those consequences, but, like, actually think, like, maybe I don't put myself in that position, you know? And so, like, that come up, came off as really tone-deaf to me, and then What Would Meek Do, I think, is, like, a perfectly good song until we have to deal with Kanye rapping. And, like, do, true, yeah. do we have to listen to him with the poop scoop thing again? Like, it just, it, I don't know. So that part, those two songs kind of turned me off a little bit. And then I think the other thing that left kind of a bad taste in my mouth about Daytona was just the whole Whitney Houston crime scene photo that um, was sort of like the main controversy, I think, like before the album came out or just when the album came out, just the, you know, Kanye paying like this exorbitant amount of money so that he could change the cover of the album to be something that I think like, you know, a majority of people think is kind of tasteless. So, I um, mean, so I've given, I give Pusha T a bit of, a, I obviously think, you know, it's atrocious. It's, it's tone deaf. It's inappropriate, but I gave him a pass because that felt to be, in my opinion, to be 100% a Kanye move. That was, uh, I remember like in interviews, Pusha T said, I didn't want it. I didn't want to pay for it. Kanye just out of his own pocket, paid for it and used it. Yeah. Then again, put, he could have said no to it. That was also his choice. But that really felt like a Kanye West move. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely agree. And I think that um, something that I find about maybe most of the Wyoming Session albums is that Kanye is the thing that ruins him, maybe. <laughs> Which seems silly since he's the one that produces all of them, but he seems to be, like, the worst part of a lot of these albums, I find. But maybe that's just me. Uh, no, I definitely agree. I don't think that, well, for the exemption of, like, Kids See Ghosts, none of the Kanye features on these albums, because why does he have to be featured on all of them, first of all? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand, like, he's just, not, for example, uh, What's the song here that he does with Pusha T? And I know that that song, it just bothers me that, for example, I mentioned it in the review where I talked about Watch by Travis Scott, which is, when you're, he brings up his like current controversies related to Donald Trump supporting him. 
And it just kind of feels like, what does that have to do with Mm -hmm. what Pusha T is trying to do here? Or like what Travis was trying to do on Watch. Watch isn't a political song. It's, it's It's just a trap song that's meant to sound good. There's no need to, you know, talk about MAGA hats. There's no need for that. Just like on Daytona, like there's just, it just doesn't add anything. And it feels like Kanye, instead of doing what he should do, which is producing and supporting the artists to make the best album they can, he wants to be a part of the best album these artists make. Right. Uh, and that's a little bit unfair. And also speaking to, uh, the the Harvey Weinstein and the Matt Lauer Can I Live line, uh, I definitely think that's inappropriate, especially right now. That's obviously very not not a smart idea to go with. But I think the way he's trying to use it isn't to suggest that he's done something worthy of me too. I think so. Like I won't let you ruin my dreams or Matt or Harvey Weinstein the kid. I think he's trying to suggest that uh, even though again it's a very inappropriate reference. I think what he's getting at is uh, that he it, he's not afraid of them catching him in the act the way they've caught Harvey Weinstein, but rather of like somebody high up in the industry, somebody big above him, sort of uh, kind of like violating him and his career the way Harvey Weinstein was doing to other people. So that's I think that's what he was getting at with that. Though admittedly, like that's a very kind of inappropriate and uncomfortable reference, regardless. See, okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I was reading about that on um, Genius last night because I I was wondering, like, how Genius tried to explain it away, and they used that. But you, but what you brought up before, I think, was, like, a good point, which was the janitor line where, you know, um, it's something about, like, if she'll fuck for a camera, she'll turn around and fuck a janitor. And then there's like two smaller lines, and then she's, and then he does the "I won't let you ruin my dreams," and it, it just seems like the if she'll fuck for the camera, she'll fuck a janitor, and then following it with the "I won't let you ruin my dreams" or Harvey Weinstein the kid, it, it like the explanation of that like he means like someone higher up doing something to him. Like, it doesn't, it just doesn't hold water for me. I, wouldn't he be meaning then the person who would fuck for the camera would then try to turn around and Harvey Weinstein him? That's, again, that's fair. I think that's more so poor execution. Okay. On part with those lines. Because, uh, obviously, I feel like nowadays, if he had done something like that, as the president of good music, I feel he would have been caught by now. Um... Though admittedly, I hope he, I hope he isn't, because uh, I really would not like an artist I really enjoy to get me too, because that's already happened. Uh, but I definitely see your your problem with it, this idea of him, because this feels dis- disrespectful on so many different levels. It feels very disrespectful to. Uh, it just and it's not only disrespectful to the Me Too movement. The more that I look at this line, you know, never trust a bitch who finds love in a camera, uh, she'll fuck you and turn around and fuck advantage. That just, it's kind of corny, just in general, as a line. It just doesn't feel like it has any, again, n- not much to do with the song. 
and it just strikes like it's just poorly executed in the context with that other line about Harvey Weinstein and Matt Lauer. Right. Okay. And so, okay, what's your second favorite album of these uh, five? Uh, for me, it'd be Kids See Ghosts. Mm-hmm. All right, that's my so that's my number three album. But why mm-hmm. do you, why do you like it so much? Uh, so. When I when this album was coming out and everybody was asking me, you know, are you excited for Kids and Ghosts? My my first thought was, you know, this isn't going to be good. That was that was my thought because I had listened to the last two Kid Cudi albums, uh, neither of them were good. Uh, yay! I thought it was good in the moment, but as the weeks passed, it started to kind of like fizzle out, and I started to kind of see more problems with it. Uh. Life of Pablo, I enjoyed, but I didn't think it would fit Cuddy well on it, even though he is featured on one of the songs, because I felt Pablo, even though it was good, it was very all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when Kitsy Ghost came out, I guess part of it was that it just jumped over my expectations so much. I never expected uh, the music to be this way. Uh, like, just from Feel the Love, just the fact that it, it's so stripped back for the beginning and then there's the part with the snares where he's just kind of uh, basically making gunshot sounds mm-hmm. and that, that struck me it was just so experimental for him and just it felt like neither of them had done anything like this before and that's what really made it great to me was just that it was so unique within both of their discographies yeah I can see that I mean I think there are a couple moments on Kids See Ghosts. Like, I think Reborn might be, like, my second favorite song to come out of the sessions. Like, mm-hmm. I think that that's, like, great song, great uh, Kid Cudi chorus. You know, like, it's really up there for me. But, like, I think that Kanye has gotten into his own head to the point where like, he is starting to really enjoy being, like, a heel, you know? Like, like I don't know if he actually supports Donald Trump and Donald Trump's politics or anything like that. I think part of it is he wants to be annoying to be annoying. And uh, I think there the are... He says that, that he enjoys causing controversy. Right. And so I think you get that in this album, like, little parts where the album seems to be going great, and then Kanye will do something almost to, like, remind you, like, hey, I'm a genius, and but I'm still that annoying, like, little brother doing something to specifically annoy you. And, like, I think the thing that really stands out is, like, Fourth Dimension like, Fourth Dimension, like, the Louis Prima sample on that song is so good. So, like, classic Kanye feel to it. And then Kanye, like, after the first verse, puts in this, like, really high-pitched giggling noise that's just, like, that it's not... There's no other reason for it to be there other than to be annoying. You know? Um, I personally, I like the laughter. Um, I... I liked it because it just, obviously at first I didn't like it because it's just so abrasive. Yeah. But as, as I kept listening to the album, I don't know why, I, I just liked it. It felt appropriate. It felt, um, because, uh, 
I consider Kid Cudi's verse is much darker than Kanye's verse on this song. Mm -hmm. Kanye's is much more. It's just him talking about sex, but Kid Cudi's is a lot more, you know, depressing. Getting into what he's gone through, even though it does kind of flip off in the middle to just talk, you know, just normal rap things. Uh, but the laughter, I felt like it's a good separation between the verses, where like it just feels there's something kind of frightening about it. And like when the the way Kanye flipped the the Louis Prima sample, I just think it had like this scary kind of vibe to it. And I thought the laughter fit well with that, though. But I entirely understand why you wouldn't like it because it just hits the ears really hard. Yeah, and it, and, it may, and I think you brought up you know the feel the love the the abrasive, like, brap, 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 kind of thing, you know? And yeah. I think that's similar. Like, the first, uh, the first couple of listens to that song, I thought that that almost ruined the song for me. Like, when it first comes in, and it's so, like, loud and abrasive. But, like, you know, I guess the more I listen to it, and the more it kind of connects to how the beat develops after that point, I kind of start giving that one a pass. But the, the giggling thing just still, like, every time I'm just like, why? Why do we need this? <laughs> yeah, I totally understand. I, it could it definitely ruined the immersion the first time, but as I got used to it, I just started to like it. Yeah. Um, another thing that I didn't expect to be good, but I actually thought was actually pretty good, was uh, the cutting montage. Yeah, the last track. I agree. Yep. It, um, you know, because I'm a lot like you, I didn't... I haven't loved anything by Kid Cudi in a while. And so I didn't have like, you know, high expectations for this. I thought that, you know, he's done some good features since maybe, you know, the mid two thousands, but like he, he hasn't really been like a rapper that I wanted to listen to a project of. And I think that, this project overall really did kind of surprise me with like how, um, I don't know, just versatile he was and how well everything came together in the end. I thought, I thought it was, yeah, I think it's, it's a close number three to what my number two is. Um, but what do you have for your number three? Uh, number three, I know you definitely don't agree. We had discussed this before. I had yay. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> all right, go yeah. ahead. Why do you like it? Uh, so I think good reason of the amount I like it is because, uh, I just, not so much because I felt it was so much more above keep that same energy or this or this year. Rather, uh, I just thought those were just kind of lower quality just in general so that's it kind of put EA here because I definitely liked it a lot more when it first came out uh, and I started to um, really dislike it a little bit more as like it, it, I started listening to it more and it just like the hype kind of died down mm -hmm. uh, but the, I don't know I just felt I understand why I don't like this album this album is the least Kanye West album ever and simultaneously the most Kanye West album ever uh because I feel like Kanye albums have this kind of luxurious feel to them. They're the, you know, the well-polished, musically grandiose albums, like My Beautiful Tark Twisted Fantasy. And even though The Life of Pablo is kind of a departure of that, it's still very 
instrumentally grand. It's still there's a lot there. Uh, whereas I feel like Ye was very very stripped back, and it was more so focused on him talking about uh, his own personal problems. It felt like kind of what Jay Z had done with four four four. So uh, it was definitely very Kanye about it. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think of all five of the albums. I mean, this is my least favorite of all five of the albums. And I think that it has the worst production of any of them. Like, I don't think that there's anything, there's any instrumental on this album that stands out to me that I would like want to hear more of. And I think that in general, like lyrically, you're right. It's, so centralized to Kanye and Kanye's problems and everything that it is perhaps the most Kanye of Kanye's albums, but also it shows what a problematic character Kanye is. And I think you're right comparing it to the 444 because what you get on Ye is you get like, you get yikes in all mine which are these songs that are laced with the references on him cheating on his wife and, you know, having uh, threesomes and stuff. And then all of a sudden you get Wouldn't Leave and No Mistake, which are these songs that are basically like, you know, even though I've done all these horrible things to my wife, she wouldn't leave. And like, you know, even though I've done all these horrible things, like, make no mistake, I love you. And then, just to finish off that kind of weird trilogy turnaround, he has the violent crimes where he is being like, you know, I hope my daughter isn't as hot as my wife so that she doesn't get treated as shittily as I have treated women, you know? And it just, it feels so, like, I'm not saying that this is like a unique situation for hip hop because I think misogyny in hip hop is, you know, has mm-hmm. been pretty rampant, but it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it feels very like, it feels too much. Like I haven't learned anything from, you know, the Jay Z and Beyonce thing. And I haven't, I don't know, despite the storyline that's gone on about how, like, this is the love of his life and, like, you know, Kim and Kanye are this, like, brand that you'll, you know, that's, like, married forever kind of thing. It's just kind of, like, takes down that curtain and is like, yeah, I've cheated on my wife a bunch, but, you know, she won't leave and, you know, I still love her. And it's like, ugh, like, why? Like, why is that the storyline of this album? I, I definitely agree with that. That's always been, since Kanye got married, kind of weird to me that he's still talking about all these things because it was like, aren't you married? Like, aren't you... Not to say, like, there's obviously two chains talks about this kind of stuff, but he's, he's married. Uh, but it was weirder with Kanye because it felt like he was actually doing it. Um, and also, going back to, like, the whole Me Too thing, uh, you know, Russell Simmons want to pray for me too. I'm gonna pray for him because he got me too. Mm-hmm. And then thinking, what would happen if that uh, if that happened to me too? I think that's much more 
much different than when Pusha T used because I think Pusha T used it, you know, metaphorically, tried to manipulate it a different way. But the thing is, Kanye has actually been Me Too. He, um, and so that kind of really changed my perspective on songs like Yikes because it was, and just on Kanye in general because he has been this guy and understand, and like, you know, I think that flip was meant to represent kind of his bipolar disorder and just this high and down until this low. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, it's, it's one of those things where uh, I remember, I think I was in a class and, and somebody was talking, and, and the professor was talking about how, he was talking about how everything seems permissible if you can say, oh, I was depressed or, oh, I was um, grieving or I was experiencing this intense moment of mental illness. Uh, and, and that kind of wipes away the, the bad things a person has done. Uh, but I, I think it's not okay for him to, you know, cheat on his wife when they have, especially since they have an extremely public marriage and they have three children now, I believe. Uh, and while I, don't, I personally liked violent crimes more than you did, I understand that there's a little bit of creepiness to it. Uh, <laughs> speaking uh, his, you know, just talking that much into the future about his his daughter uh and speaking about her in that way that that makes me a little bit uncomfortable but i also understand that he's it comes out of like a love for for northwest Mm -hmm. and and i'll admire that i'll give him you know the points for that and i obviously love the spoken word part of uh, i thought about killing you and i loved ghost town because it, it struck me like that's supposed to be him kind of looking to the future and thinking that things will be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really, like, as I started to listen to Mark Critic, I really couldn't get past this kind of stuff. Like, just, just like you did, just the fact that him talking about Me Too, you know, then I'm on E! News, that just kind of... The thing is that Kanye's already on E! News. Kanye's always on the news. And he's already been Me Too. So it, it, strikes, me, it strikes me as, like, kind of... This album feels both self-aware and not self-aware at the Mm. same time yeah i completely agree i think that i think that what bothers me i'm okay i'll say it this way about the push a t and about this me too like reference is that it seems very flippant like it's like neither one of them seems to be like this like very like taking it seriously it's almost like well i hope it doesn't happen to me getting me too'd you know like it's like something that could just happen to anybody you know just a regular guy get me too'd you know and it's like no you know usually when someone's gotten me too'd it's been because you know where there's smoke there's fire kind of thing you know yeah it's very rarely been one woman speaks out and then that's all that happens kind of thing. It's usually like a group of women end up being like, oh yeah, that same thing happened to me and I thought it was creepy kind of thing, you know? And so like for him just to be like, you know, hope it doesn't happen to me. It's like, no, this isn't like getting a cold or a fever or something. This is like you've done something that has harmed a woman's, you know, mental well-being for, you know, perhaps her entire future. And, you know, like it's, for you, I understand it's like it might have been like a momentary lapse, but like you're affecting someone's entire life potentially. And it's just it's uh, it's just the way it's been like flippantly described in these particular albums is, I think, what bothers me about it. Um, definitely, I, I think 
what, I agree with you. I just think that my, my like, view of the different references, mine, so I definitely push the T reference. I don't think it's so much him making light of any personal situation because, again, I haven't really seen anything about him or had any heard anything reported about him doing anything. Right. Uh, but it's definitely, like, kind of... It's just such an inappropriate reference. I feel like any, a lot of other things could have worked there to make the similar point. Um, uh, but the problem is, like, when he does that, it kind of... I feel like there's just this whole attitude towards the Me Too movement where people, like, men think, like, you know, is a hug inappropriate? Am I allowed to, like, even... I'm afraid to be around, like, a female co-worker. Mm -hmm. And so, like, as a result, there's, like, this pushback of people just making fun of it, just kind of uh, asserting, like, what if they're false accusations and you're ruining a man's life and just making up a very, a very uh, important movement for women, very about men and diminishing it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what I don't like about Pusha T is that he's continuing the cycle of diminishing it, right. uh, but, you know, in that way in order to, like, make it, frame it about himself and his personal industry success, which is very, it just wasn't okay. Uh, the problem with Kanye, but, like, obviously it diminishes it for the same reason, but it's just the fact that he has been me too. Yeah. He had that with Lisa Ann and sending her those, those pictures of him and, you know, being accused of that. And so, like, it's just, he's like, I'm, like, what if that happened to me too? It's that idea, like, he's just, he doesn't even realize it's already happened to him. Like, he doesn't, it's too late for that. The ship has sailed. You've already done the thing and been caught. Yeah, and he, and I think you're right, like, just because Ye feels very confessional, that also, like, saying something like that is just, it, it just feels much more personal than I think it feels on um, the Pusha T one. You know, like, Pusha T, uh, like, I understand some, some of his album might be sort of confessional, you know, if we are to believe that he, you know, deals as many drugs as he claims he deals. But, like, you know, a lot of his album is kind of still, like, braggadocio and stuff. But, like, on on this one, it's because it's so personal that, like, having that in there feels kind of, just feels tawdry. Yeah, um, that definitely feels like, it just, I take Pusha T's more as, like, a moment of, just short-sightedness and ignorance. Mm -hmm. But Kanye is like a whole different animal, in my opinion, just because it's like he's trying to pretend like what he did didn't happen. Right. Yeah, agreed. Um, so what do you have at number four? Uh, I have keep that same energy. Wow. All right. So that's my number four as well. Um, so, uh, all right. I think... What do you have to say about this album? Because for me, it, you know, I am, I wouldn't say I'm a huge R&B fan in general. So, like, I don't necessarily think, like, I'm the best person to speak about this album. But at the same time, it's the longest of the Wyoming Session albums at eight songs. And I feel like this is the least deserving of the Wyoming Session albums to have more than seven songs. I don't know if you feel the same way. Um... Yeah, I definitely think there's no point in it, especially since the eighth song is what it is. I just don't think, like, WTP, I really hated that song. I think that's my least favorite in all of these albums. Mm -hmm. 
uh, just like it's just so bad. There's just nothing I liked about it. It just felt when I listened to it, I felt like I had to just slog through it to finish the album because the sample is just very obnoxious. And that's the problem with Keep That Same. The energy, like the Keep That Same energy, the problem with it is that it feels like there's moments where, you know, Tiana Taylor could have just pulled back a little bit and just been, you know, like if she could have just pulled back a little bit and stopped doing things that just didn't make sense on the album. Like, for example, that just the, almost the entirety of Hurry with Kanye West, I felt could have been just changed and it would have been a much better song. Her verse is great. Kanye's verse is terrible. Yeah. The, randomly moans. Why? I don't understand. Why? Like, it just seems, it just ruined the song for me when, I, I, you know, just the first time I'm listening to it, I'm just, you know, minding my own business. I'm just, you know, reading a book or something. And then there's moaning coming through my speakers and it's just, why? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, the first time I listened to it, like, that portion, the moaning, like, made me, like, actually uncomfortable. Because it didn't, it didn't seem like sexy moaning. It was so, like, just aping, like, the sexiness, like, that it almost felt, like, comical and painful to listen to. Yeah. You know? It did. Like, there, there are people who might be able to moan, and you're like, oh, that is sexy. But for some reason... Her version of moaning is so, like, overdone. They are just like, what is she, like, this is really the best she could do? Like, you know? And I feel yeah. that way, like, for a lot of the album, is just like, how, what do you think of her voice? Her voice, I think it's better on some parts than others. Uh, for example, uh, Hold On, that's my, that was my favorite song on the album. Mm-hmm. I think that's there. That's where her voice, you know, is the best. Uh, and I think it's at its worst at like Rose in Harlem, uh, if not Three Way, the Ty Dolla Sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I very much so like Three Way at all. Just like it was, it was okay, but it just had this. It felt like the logical next song after a song where there's moaning in it. <laughs> uh. Like, it's not awful, it's just, uh, kinda, it, it doesn't feel as sexy as it, as it, uh, it's trying to be. No, Three Way is, like, a really weird song. Like, the whole, like, Three Way, I couldn't wait to have it with you, cause I know it will, it turn you on, so let's do it, babe. Like, it just, it's like, wait, so, like, instead of three-way being like a sexy thing essentially what she's saying is like all right you know my husband wants to have a three-way so i guess i'll do it you know i'm gonna take one for the team and it's yeah. just like it's like that it, it just it feels like a little bit problematic like and it's it's hard to be problematic like when a woman is saying it you know like it could partially be empowering or it could be problematic and it's hard to tell exactly but there's definitely nothing sexy about saying it that way, you know? Yeah, there, there really isn't. And I don't know. It's just interesting to note that Kanye is a co-writer on this song. I feel like, yeah. you know, do with that what you will. Of course. And, like, and I think the reason I asked you about her voice specifically is because 
I read a lot of reviews about the album and so many were saying, you know, like, you know, there's no question that she has an amazing voice and blah, blah, blah. And when I listened to it, it reminded me of um, Tony Braxton, who, you know, I really like as a female R&B singer, but like the poor man's Tony Braxton. Like she has this like she has this like raspy quality to her voice that like Tony Braxton also has, but it's, it's almost to a degree where it's like a little bit like, Oh, she doesn't really have the greatest voice. I mean, and so like for me, like to read all those reviews, like praising her voice, I was just like, you know, maybe there's something I'm not quite getting, but to me, it felt like she, it, if she has like an amazing voice, like she doesn't show it a lot in this album. Yeah. I definitely think it's a, she has a, good voice it just strikes me as kind of unowned i heard a lot of people saying uh i remember like there was one review i had read where somebody said you know this was superior like uh keep that same energy was superior to scissors control and i was like no uh that's gonna be a no for me dog <laughs> uh, and i was yeah that, that's definitely a no uh just because it just feels like she i think she this like music isn't her entire you know like profession i think she does various other things mm-hmm. so i don't think she's like really as honed in in her music as she uh as she could be which i think is what results in the problems with her voice because you know not constantly putting out albums or, or constantly working on music when you do that you obviously reach a point of like figuring out work your voice and i think she just hasn't reached that point and i don't know if she ever will considering the fact that she uh isn't exclusively a a musician or a singer Mm -hmm. yeah and i actually until i started doing research for um you know knowing that we were gonna have this conversation eventually i didn't know that she was the person who had that hit song google me like back in like the that mid 2000s or something like, um, it was pretty much like a one-off kind of one-hit wonder kind of thing. But, like, I remember really liking that song. And so I think I was a little bit surprised, like, how, um, I don't know, not at all, like, that song, anything on this album is. <laughs> there's there's not a lot of, like, um, like, everything's trying to be, like, a little bit more sexy than I think the album ends up being. Yeah, it's just like like the album cover. Like this is all meant to be this, you know, whole sexual album. And there's times where it kind of is. It, it does have its moments, but for the most part, it's uh, it's it's just kind of awkward. Yeah. And uh, you know, she's a uh, she's plus she's an actress apparently. Uh, no, there's nothing that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so, like, though I don't know, I, I just think it was like a good attempt uh, at an album, but it wasn't really like that great holding up to everything else. The production was okay. Um, I think it wasn't as good as, like, I don't think Kanye put much effort. I think part of me thinks that this is the one Kanye made the quickest because I know he made these very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I, I think the best instrumental was on gonna love me otherwise uh everything else is kind of just there yeah yeah i can definitely see that like i think that uh, i know 
that I said Yay has the worst instrumentals of any of the albums, but I think uh, KTSE is is right there. Like it's it's pretty they're pretty close in my eye of worst instrumentals. Just more bland than bad, and that's kind of I don't know. I've, I've reached this weird point in music where I don't know if it's worse for something to be bad or just bland. Yeah. No, I agree. I think when I'm saying worse, I mean I also mean bland. Like, there's nothing special about it. None of the beats really say to me like, "Oh, this is a Kanye beat" or you know anything like that. It's just like these beats could have literally been made by any like hack R&B producer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, the big elephant in the room is my number two album is Nas's Nazir, and it's your dead last album. And I want I want to hear why it's your dead last album. I don't know that because it just seems directionless to me. Like it just there's there's obviously you know the good the good uh, couple lyrics, couple of things he says. I feel like good on here, but um, it's just like for example, we uh go from you know not for radio when it starts out. It's it's kind of. It didn't really grab me quickly. He just goes on this thing about uh, Escobar season begins, and I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> and then he's just talking about, you know, these these black gods summoned from heaven, and they're all dressed uh, in Goyard, and it was, again, just, all right, okay, I guess you're going somewhere with this. Let's, let's see where that goes. And, you know, he goes on, and there's these pretty good lines, but it just doesn't feel like, you know, he's really doing anything about it. Um, like, there's just not much direction to it. And then the second verse comes in, and that's much better. That's, um... The uh, Puffy's verse? Or... No, not Puffy. Like, they're both apparently, like, intermingled. I think Puffy does, like, some ad-libs or, or, mm. or some kind of... Some very Puffy thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> kind of just... Edgar Hoover was black. All, the, all these um, lines that I thought were, like, kind of funny yeah. uh, as well. They seemed like very good lines. And then we get to, you know, cop it. Uh, and Kanye West, you know, he's there. But uh, I like it really liked instrumental. It's kind of grating at first, but I really liked it. And then um, and then it just kind of goes downhill for some reason. We get to, get to White Label, and that's like, all right, the, the, we'll just let this go. This is, I guess, one of those... Um, one of those songs that I guess like you just threw in and then we get to Bonjour and I'm like, um, okay, why are we in France? <laughs> like, why? Yeah, what is this doing here? And it's okay. I understand that, you know, brag rap is, it's brag rap. It's always there. But I felt like the entire point, especially with the album cover, this album cover is amazing to me. I think it's probably uh, behind Kids See Ghost. I think it's the best one. Uh, and when you look at that album cover, you're thinking, all right, this is going to be a very conscious, very, um, kind of Afrocentric album. This is going to talk about like some issues, especially since, you know, you got the kid holding these two kids holding guns and they're all like posted up against the wall, like they're being arrested. And it seems like this is going to be, you know, something. And when you go through like three songs which everything featuring Kanye West and the Dream is pretty good I, I liked it I felt it was a good song for Nas but it just felt like this album wasn't 
doing what I felt it was advertised to me that it was trying or going to do. It just felt like there were random pockets of Nas talking about, you know, uh, problems in the black community and things facing black people today in America. Uh, and he does a great, do- great job about it, especially like on Cops Shot the Kid. But it's just after that, just what is he doing? He, he just feels kind of lost. I think for me, well, let me ask you this. Like, have you been a Nas fan of like previous Nas albums? Um, I'm kind of with the camp of I, I enjoyed Omatic and I felt it was downhill from there. I, I liked Stillmatic a lot more. That kind of stuck with me a little bit more. But otherwise, everything else was just kind of... It wasn't bad. It just struck me as kind of a uh, un, like lack of use of potential. Mm-hmm. I think for me, like, I'm not going to say I'm a huge Nas fan, but, like, I do, I do like Nas, and I, you know, I own a couple Nas albums, and I certainly, you know, have listened to a lot of him. And I think that you haven't really, there hasn't been, like, a point where he's had, like, amazing beats for, like, an entire album. And I think in a lot of ways that, you know, this album might be my favorite of the albums as far as production goes. You know, I think not for radio. I mean, it has that, like, this, like, the grandiose kind of, you know, instrumental. It sort of, you know, it reunites, you know, Nas and uh, Diddy, and you get, like, it has that kind of, like, you can hate me now kind of vibe to it, like, just with the sample and everything. And I, I, pers- I really like that song. I think that it, it's interesting, like, the way that they do take, like, you know, um, people who are white men and then just kind of claim that they were, they were black, you know. Fox News was started by a black dude, also true. Like, it, it, it's like a funny line, but at the same time, like, I think I get what they're doing. And then there's... Yeah, I, I really love that line, yeah. And then there's... And I think Cop Shot the Kid is my third favorite song to come from any of these albums. It's it's close. Like, I I love the beat. I think that, like, it's this great, like, kind of, you know, old-school hip-hop beat. And, you know, I think Nas's verse is great. You know, um, just to, like, throw in, like, the references, like, the end of Nas's first verse, what he's, like, reminds me of Emmett Till... Uh, let's remind him why Cap kneels. Like, it, it's so good to have both the Emmett Till and the Colin Kaepernick references, like, right there next to each other and just, you know, kind of, you know, really, of all the albums, this seems like the the, the wokest, maybe, you know? And even in that song, Kanye has, you know, a verse, and it's actually not bad. It almost is like he somehow manages to not be completely talking about himself for an entire verse. And it it sort of works with, like, what's going on on the song. <clears throat> and I just think, like, uh, for me, I think just the, the lyrical consciousness of a lot of the songs and the production um, ends up making it, like, uh, a really good album for me. My second favorite, obviously. And, uh, like, I understand what you're saying. There are a couple lines where Nas raps about food, which I think is one of the most annoying things rappers can do. 
when he talks about like over creamy polenta and like uh, some other pasta thing like later in the album and you're kind of just like all right we get it you eat at fancy restaurants like yeah it's it's one of the most frivolous things i think rappers can rap about but um but i think that there's enough substance in the lyrics that like i i think that it's a really good album um well i definitely think i agree that there's substance and for production i I would rate this very highly i think if i were to put it you know just for sheer production i would probably put it in number three uh but i don't know i I guess just part of me just can't get past him talking just being in france in the middle of his song like in the middle of his album when, when the album seems to like be aiming to be woke about you know very kind of African American issues, mm-hmm. and so I don't know. It just feels kind of disruptive, and 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 there's and especially after that with all the songs that come after, it just feels like there's just a big loss in direction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, obviously instrumentally it's great. Uh, also, but I, something I wanted to talk about kind of outside of the albums, it's this person who's like a presence on all of them. Uh, it's like a new good music artist. Her name's uh, O O Seventy Shake, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you. Speak. Uh, she's uh, featured here on on this year. She's featured on uh, Yay and on Daytona. Mm-hmm. So she does not for radio. She does the the Spanish chorus in uh, in Santeria and the uh, you know I I put my hand on the stove to see if I still bleed. That that uh, last verse in uh, Ghost Town. Mm-hmm. And just that I kind of wonder why she didn't get one of these albums because it feels like she's a new artist. Uh, signed to the good music label and she's she's great i feel like every contribution she makes to these albums is good and and i just wonder to myself like what you thought about her uh as a presence on these albums yeah i definitely agree like i didn't realize that she was so omnipresent on a lot of these until i was like reading the credits uh recently to the albums i was like wow she appears on a lot of this stuff and i think that um i feel like this is kind of a very traditional like considering how non-traditional these hip-hop albums are that or these albums in general are that you know kanye released like i know earlier in the year you and i you know discussed like how long and like arduous some of these like new hip-hop albums were becoming like you know the migos album and stuff you know at you know bordering on like 20 songs and you're kind of like God, do hip hop albums really need to be this long? And then to have these kind of like shorter albums is, is definitely a change of pace. But um, I feel like this is more of a traditional move in hip hop where, you know, you put out like an album and you have like one particular person who features a bunch on it. And it's kind of like the introduction to that person so that, in, you know, a few months or like a year later when she actually comes out with her own album. It's like, it's like, Oh yeah, I remember her. She was on Daytona or I remember her. She was on, you know, Nazir or whatever, you know? And I think that, you know, that's something that is pretty traditionally hip hop, but for me, yeah, I think she's definitely an artist to watch, you know, um, of the, uh, people signed to good music. I mean, I don't feel like there's been like a really like new signing to good music that I've cared about in a while. And so to have her kind of introduced in this way, I think it's kind of the, um, I think it was a good move on their part. And I think that, you know, 
as you said, you're going to be looking forward to it. I'm going to be looking forward to it. So I think a lot of people are going to be. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, who did he, I think he signed uh, Sheck West recently. Um, I don't, I'm not very... And, and I think his name is... He, he dropped an album recently. His name is, uh, I think it's Valet or Valet or something like that. And I don't know. I'm just interested to see what they do with her. Uh, obviously, designers there, but I don't, I don't want anything him um, <laughs> and so i'm just excited to see how she works out apparently she has some kind of releases like by herself she has like her soundcloud and whatnot uh yeah I yeah i know I she has i know she has some independent things i'm not even sure if she's ever put out like a formal mixtape or anything but um but yeah to actually get to hear her like um try to expand what she's doing onto a full album i think will be interesting I think it will be, and I, and I would really love it. Cause I, I, apparently, he's, from what I've heard, he's not done with making the seven-track album. He's apparently making one with Chance the Rapper, um, which I don't know how that'll come out. Hopefully, it comes out good. Uh, the last Chance singles I thought were pretty good, so hopefully th- that gets added on here. And apparently, he wants to stay in Wyoming to do more of these. And I, like, so... <clears throat> What I want to know is, like, overall, what's your opinion of these albums? Like, are you, do you think you're, like, favorable to the Wyoming sessions, or do you think, like, it was just kind of, like, an okay idea? Like, how do you feel overall about the albums? Well, obviously, I think Daytona's obviously pushed it to the best. Kitsy Ghost has probably kicked the best thing to Cuddy's made since, you know, Man on the Moon. Uh, Yay was fairly good. And so, like, it's just, there's definitely, like, a, a bell curve in terms of quality. Uh, so I think, conceptually, it was a good idea. I just think that, you know, from what I heard, they, they were making these in a week. They were making these very quickly. So I think that, conceptually, I love the idea of kind of them isolating themselves in a place like Wyoming, uh, being there and just banging these out and creating them uh, and and tailoring them to their own specific aesthetic and style. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think they should take more time with them so we don't end up with Pusha T saying, uh, I won't let you Harvey Weinstein the kid again. <laughs> or Kanye ignoring the fact that he's already been Me too or Tiana Taylor moaning or... I mean, I don't think you can do anything about... Or going to France. I don't think you can do anything about, you know, Kanye being not self-aware, no matter how much time you give him. But, I mean, definitely for the other ones, I agree. And for me, overall, like, I... I overall didn't really like these. Like, I think Daytona, I agree with you, I think Daytona is Pusha T's best solo work to date. Um, And, you know, I think if I was making a top ten albums of the year right now it would probably squeeze into my top 10. But otherwise, I just, you know, I don't know, like, Nazir is probably the best thing Nas has put out in, you know, a while. Kids See Ghosts, like you said, I think it is the best thing Cuddy's put out in a while. But, yeah, Ye and KTSE just, they do absolutely nothing for me. And uh, the other two, besides Daytona, I think, like, do just a little bit for me really you know it's it's not i i don't think overall it was super successful and then 
you know, to have Kanye come out, I want to say it was like a little bit after all of these were released and he talked about like maybe wanting to do 52 albums in 52 weeks next year. And I just, I yeah, feel like I that, that could be that was, a recipe for disaster. <laughs> that was definitely a Kanye moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it goes the way of, you know, Kanye running for president. And we just never no, see that come to fruition because I, I think that 52 albums in 52 weeks, like, you know, maybe week one will be great. But after that, I think you're going to be having, like, really diminished returns. I genuinely, I genuinely think that man will run for president. I, I don't think he'll get far, but I think he'll run. We'll see. He'll sign. Register. He doesn't care. God. He'll, he'll go. He doesn't, it doesn't matter to him. He'll go. They'll expose him the way they exposed Trump with the whole Me Too thing. He'll uh, try and, you know, brush it off by saying some philosophical things about shame. <laughs> and uh, he, won't get any, he won't get in through the primaries, and then that'll be it. And then he'll drop an album, di- dissing the entire uh, Democratic National Convention. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the way it's going to go. Wait, you don't think he's running as a Republican? Um... <laughs> He could run as, I always thought he would run as a Democrat, but now he ain't definitely run as a Republican, but I feel like the Republicans wouldn't let him. Yeah, no, probably not. I don't know. I, I mean, it's so hard to determine with, it's so hard to determine with Kanye what it's like a complete farce and what, like, he actually is sincere about at this point, and I think that might be one of the most, like, problematic things of, as him as an artist and just as, like, a person at this point is, you know? I, I think at this point, like, I don't even think he would run for either, because I don't think either party would support him. It's, you know, slavery was was a choice and whatnot, and, and all these just acts of random stupidity. And I think he would start his own party. Yeah, it's true. I really, the good party? Call it, yeah, call it the good party. <laughs> and he would run, his party would probably somehow get accepted he wouldn't make it that far he probably it would be like when people uh, for this election voted for uh, these nuts as a joke I think that's kind of how it would be <laughs> yeah yeah well that will be uh, interesting to see uh, when election time comes what exactly happens with Kanye but uh, I am still slightly more interested about his music career I guess only slightly and uh, it'll be uh I agree with you. I think the Chance the Rapper thing will be interesting. I'm hoping it's good, too, because I do... I think everything Chance the Rapper has done over the last couple of years has been uh, pretty great, both, you know, in music and in just life in general. So I'm always rooting for him to do great things now, and uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see where all of this leads. Yeah, hopefully. I definitely think Kanye's on the downswing uh, from here on out, though. And, uh, yeah, I would like to see, I think if he goes back to producing, I think he still has it as a producer. I just think as far as rap goes, I, I think he's, uh, he's just heading down. Yeah, I definitely think he's past his prime in that as well. Yeah. Um, all right, well, thank you for doing this. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, this was, uh, this was fun, and I'm glad I finally got to talk to you. Yeah, uh, it's been great. And thank you for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed it, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search Surviving the Golden Age. Four words. And you can always catch us online at survivingthegoldenage.com. 
There you can read Roberto's work and the work of many others. Until next time.